Welcome to Spirits Podcast, episode 68, Hollywood Urban Legends with James Oliva. Oh, gosh. This is one that I wanted to do for a while now. I was pretty drunk during this episode. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I don't remember a lot of it. All right, that's good. I'm sure it's great. Yes. James <laughs> is a wonderful and enthusiastic person. Um, we actually did an episode of Spirits with him beforehand, but it's it was not a real episode of Spirits. It was our crossover with Greater Boston. Yeah. Yeah, but that was a lot of fun. It was um, very fun. Yeah. And he was in character during that episode, but we did what sounded like a real Spirits episode about <laughs> yeah. this fictional universe's urban legends. Mm -hmm. So we'll link that one in the in the show description, but it was very good. I almost just said in the doobly-doo, and I hate myself Julia, for it. Julia, you weren't even a vlogger. I... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who never says doobly-doo? Uh, our patrons, because they're good people. <laughs> exactly. Our newest patrons. Welcome to Palmer, Tristan, Amber, Allison, Rachel, Caleb, Milo, Patrice, and Jessica. There's so many of you this week hello hello welcome yo yo welcome welcome and also not welcome but an eternal thank you we love you we see you you're invited to our house anytime you, you don't always quite have, have a, a seat key, at the table but you have a seat at the table yes Two, Neil, Philip, Julie, Sarah, Christina, Josh, Eeyore, Maria, Cami, Lindsay, Ryan, Shelby, Lynn, Mercedes, Phil, Catherine, and Deborah, and our legend level patrons, Sandra, Ashley Marie, Buggy, Leanne, Ashley, Shannon, and Cassie. Like Amanda was saying, you do have a key to our houses. Thank you for checking on our animals and watering our plants for us while we were away. You're great house sitters. Somehow the house smells better when you leave. It's amazing. Did you bake cookies? <gasps> There's cookies. Mm, cookies remind me of sitting in a nice big plushy armchair and curling up with a good book but sometimes i want to enjoy my good good books when my hands are busy like when i'm doing the dishes or when i'm commuting and have to like hold on to the subway pole and like move a kid away from my bag with the other one or like doing embroidery or or just playing a video game exactly and while doing that once you've run out of spirits episodes and joined the party pod episodes and all of the potter lists <laughs> and waystation to listen to you can listen to Audible. If you go to audible.com slash spirits, you can start a free trial and redeem a free audiobook. And also, Julia, you can text the word spirits to 500-500 to actually get that download URL to yourself. Yeah. And if it is your first time with Audible, you, you know that they've sponsored us before. They have. You will get that free trial and you get a free audiobook with it. Yeah. And we're going to give you some recommendations later on in the episode. Hang on. It's a cliffhanger. And Jules, before we get to this meaty, beautiful drunken episode what actually got us so drunk um so i was kind of inspired by the like 1940s la noir mm -hmm. like starlet kind of thing right like so, oh darling yes oh oh charles my 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 mink stole is the right color which i also blame james because he has an amazing audio drama called what's the frequency that is set in that time period yes but anyway which a julia's in uh, that i am in <laughs> um but i made us gimlets yes not just a media company, also a pretty delicious drink. Yes. All right. So without further ado, y'all, enjoy Spirits Podcast, episode 68, Hollywood Urban Legends with James Oliva. Yeah. So Amanda, we're doing something a little bit different this week. Are we? Uh, I, I'm going to tag team the research this week. Because we have a special guest. It's not me, right? It's not I you. didn't prepare anything. <laughs> no, you're good. Okay. You're okay. <laughs> uh, we're joined this week by uh, just voice actor, audio drama wizard extraordinaire, uh, James Oliva. Hi, James. Hi. 
Hi, hello. Ooh, Thank you for having me. There's a Skype call happening. Hi, Jake. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was yeah, I'm great here. Acting, Hi. Good Hi, job. <laughs> Hi. Um, so James is going to be helping me a little bit with uh, the uh, storytelling in this episode uh, because we're doing something that is near and dear to his heart uh, as well as mine, yes. and that is uh, Hollywood myths and urban legends, yes. which is like. Oh, uh, just well. insert what's the thing oh. what's the uh i'm sorry did you interrupt oh, the the, you're talking about the, the ancient musical i was i was talking about the thermon but amanda just yeah. did what did you do <laughs> the x-files theme song it was good i'm proud of you thank you okay so now that we've really just <laughs> dove in deep here so james what is your uh connection to hollywood is this a thing that you've just always been fascinated by like what is what yeah. is your kind of origin story with this stuff well, yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? Actually, that's a great question because it is something that I've always innately uh, uh, been drawn to. Like when um, I grew up on Long Island uh, and so I used nice. to go to the um, middle country <laughs> oh, uh, public library, uh, the big one over in um, uh, Center Reach. And Ooh, nice. uh, yeah. And so I used to go there and rent movies by like at the time they used to only let you rent like 10 at a time. And uh, that I seems just very high. Just... That does seem very high. <laughs> Our library had a, a limit of 10 books per patron, which oh, wow. I was not able to get around. Oh, I was like a five. The one that I went to was five books per patron and then three really? videos maybe per person. Oof. This is the middle yeah. country. Library? No, this was no, uh, America, North our, America. Our North oh, America okay. library. <laughs> yeah, this this library was cool. So, um, so <laughs> they, cool they would let you rent up to ten. <laughs> it, was the, it was the cool one, absolutely the cool <laughs> one. Actually, it's 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 world renowned. I, I used to go there all the time, and as I got older, I actually used to be one of the, like I, to, to, just to give you an understanding of how nerdy or, or weird I was. Um, at like eleven years old, I used to go there and I would go and ransack their um, Hollywood Reporters and Varieties, and I would be reading the varieties in Hollywood Reporters, and I'd be uh, looking at all the different deals that were being done and the movies that were in production and the box office results and then like the special cans uh, versions that were like for movies that were looking to be made so there were movies in there that i didn't realize at the time that weren't actually getting made that have never been made that uh had stuck in my brain is like where did that movie go where did Ooh. no it was just it was just an advertisement for a movie that never got made um so yeah that's i used to study creepy that stuff. And fascinating yeah and that <laughs> sounds like the uh answer to there's like a subreddit for stuff you remember but can't find on the internet mm-hmm. and so people will be like well there's a commercial from like 1982 i think about like weedabix and and trying to just like find particular <laughs> that's fucking ones amazing. and that sounds right. like something where you're like i know for a fact in my mind this was a movie and right. it seems like like the answer to a riddle, like oh, it was actually advertised but just never made. Yeah, yeah, almost like the uh, Berenstain, Berenstain. Hell yeah, Berenstain, the Mandela like, effect. You know, Berenstain bears. The Mandela effect. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. I had an intense argument with my fiance like a week ago. He was like, yeah, you know, like uh, in that movie, Shazam. I'm like, that movie never was made. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, it, it was never made. He's like, no, it it was. I'm just like, it, it wasn't though. Like, Baby, there's, there's a Wikipedia page. There's a literal Wikipedia page about it. He's like, what, you just because it was on the internet, you think it's true? I'm like, no. I mean, yeah, but also no. <laughs> But is he talking about is he talking about the uh, the the Shaquille O'Neal film? No, Kazam. the Sinbad one. And Shazam. The Sinbad one that doesn't exist. Oh, okay. Do you know what this is, James? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I know that you know the actual film, James, but this is oh, like yeah. a film okay. that people are convinced exists. Yeah, so it, it's like a whole internet conspiracy or like like uh, self-generated conspiracy where people just remember a specific version of the actual movie that was that was just wrong mm-hmm. and there's a there's like truthers there's like shazam truthers <laughs> and it's fascinating we'll put a link in the show notes oh yes. my god okay that is fascinating actually i, I want to know more about it 
Well, oh, you yeah. know what uh, people are also convinced of? Amanda and James. What? Yes. Uh, a bunch of different Hollywood uh, urban legends that never actually happened. Please give it to me. So <laughs> we're going to start with probably one of the most well-known ones. And this is the legend of the Munchkin suicide. Oh, no. Do you Have you heard of this one, Amanda? Is it that in The Wizard of Oz you can see a body hanging from a tree? Yes. Okay. Okay. But I'm going to go ahead and start with this one because it is probably the most well-known. Amanda, you've seen Wizard of Oz, right? I have. Thank you for okay. giving me a gimme <laughs> that you knew that I have at least one time in my life seen The Wizard of Oz okay. full through. Good. I'm, I'm very glad. If not, my, um, my, my spiritual twin... PJ Scott Blankenship would probably murder me in my sleep. Probably. Probably. Um, So The Wizard of Oz is one of those films that has definitely earned its place in the Hollywood canon. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is one of the first films shot in color. And damn, if they didn't use that color super well. Oh, they did. Um, Also, I super aspire to that level of like, I don't know, just like PR generation. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, guess what? Come to the movies. It's all different now. (laughs) And like, your shit has changed. To, yeah. to put that into the world of your film is, I mean, I just, I love when like stuff reckons with the medium that it's in, you know, like I love tattoos that know where they are on the body. And I love, you know, audio that it makes you th- like, like uses the thing that it's doing really interestingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Wizard of Oz is like the, the preem it's like the cream of the crop, you know, creme de la creme. Mm-hmm. I said the same thing twice. Yeah. Yep. Uh, example <laughs> of of, uh, of being like, hey, guess what? It's a movie you're watching and now it's all different. Yeah. Uh, James, do you have any like personal relationship with The Wizard of Oz? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's one of those movies that as a kid, I used to just watch like a million trillion times because it would always be on uh, mm-hmm. at some mm-hmm. given time. And, and, and Amanda's right. The second that, I mean, even as somebody who had already, you know, obviously seen, seen color TV, film before, <laughs> uh, but to have it, but to have it shift over like that, that was like the first time I'd seen that happen in a film as a, uh, as a transition of some kind. And, uh, though my, my little mind couldn't understand what the significance could be. I just found that I found it to be super neat. Um, it's, it's really hard to believe that that movie was really, um, not very well received or liked, uh, yeah, at, at the beginning. Was yeah. it really? It, yeah, it was uh, kind yeah. of a flop at the at the time. Wow. Yeah. Um, but a lot of really great stories actually came out of that movie. Uh, the story of how the original Tin Woodsman had to be replaced because he had an allergic reaction to the to aluminum the powder in the tin. Yeah, in the paint. Yeah. Oh, shit. Is that real? Yeah, that's 100% Ooh. real. Um, also, Professor Marvel, at the beginning of the film, um, he's like the wizard, but... In the, mm-hmm. in the black and white version right so the costume that was bought for the character by the costumer for that part uh-huh. um it was bought at a secondhand shop oh no did it belong to a nazi it was no it was actually the property <laughs> of the author of the wizard of oz uh l frank baum oh wow and they didn't know it they didn't know that until later on really yeah that I is a say much that better version oh. of what I thought it was. No, that's just like one of those cool coincidence ones. I went to Bugs and Amanda went to Nazis. That's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sorry that you guys went so negative, especially because we're going to get real negative in this next part. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk about the chilling urban legend of the film, The Case of the Hanging Munchkin. Um, so I'm going to preface this story uh, as a shitty rumor to start about anyone. Uh, and we've discussed on the show before that we take suicide and mythology and urban legends very seriously. We do. We'll, uh, we'll plug some stuff 
either at the beginning of this episode or at the end of this episode. Um, but if you feel as though you need help, you can get help. And Amanda has a link. And there is the dopest organization of all time, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And you can write down this number right now on your hand or your phone or a piece of paper or whatever and give it to yourself or a friend or just text them. It's amazing. 800-273-8255. The Lifeline. And they will help you. And you can talk to them. And no problem is too small or too big to bring up with the very qualified folks that are there to help. Agreed. This story still persists, even though it's been uh, rebuked. Rebuked? That's not the right word. Rebuked? Rebuked. Rebuked. Listen, necromacy. Fuck off. I will live and die that that is a valid way to pronounce that word. Nope. Also, that was a complete emotional yo-yo that pretty much represents our friendship. Yes. It's like, hey, Julia, I have actual problems and also butts. So, rebuked. So the story goes, uh, when you look in the background of the scene where Dorothy and the Scarecrow encounter and then recruit the Tin Man, as they're skipping through the forest saying, we're off to see the wizard, you'll notice what looks like a swinging body of someone in the background. The rumor says that it was an actor who played one of the munchkins who killed himself on set uh, because he lost his true love, which I guess, like, go for more detail. They say liars <laughs> add way too many details. Right. Just go for those extra details, I guess. And, and I guess you can only pronounce someone your true love after death. Yes. Right? It's, like, it's yeah. the Romeo and Juliet method. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck um, those fucking, fucking <laughs> adolescent teenager fucking motherfuckers. God. Those fucking teens who wore your mom's coat. Ugh. We did a production, James, in high school of Romeo and Juliet uh, that oh, yeah. took place in the 80s. Yep. And uh, they danced the thriller at the ball scene. And <laughs> the guy playing uh, Romeo wore Amanda's mom's red leather coat. From the 80s. From the 80s. Oh, wow. <laughs> and when she got Is it that... back, she was like, this smells like teenage boy. I was like, mom, what did you expect? Uh... <laughs> Sweaty Dan. Yeah. What, what, was this after the Romeo and Juliet update in the mid-90s, or was this? Yeah, It most certainly was, because it <laughs> okay. was 2007. Got it, <laughs> it yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Oh, fuck me. That's so long ago. <laughs> it was fucking 11 years ago, Julia. <laughs> I'm going to cry. Fuck. Okay. I also got drunk for the first time during that show, so we were I've talking been talking about that for 11 years. Audio drama slack today. We were. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Okay. Oh, anyway. I missed that. Uh, it's it's still in general. You can check it out. Okay, I'll um, go back and read it. So another rumor. Oh, fuck. I lost my place. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> okay. This episode's already 15 minutes long. Shut up. I'm so excited. Eric, I'm so I, sorry. I'm, I'm really happy to be a, a, just a, de- a derailer. I'm, that's that's it's, my... Uh, James, you've yeah. been very on point. Julia and I are just <laughs> on our third drinks and loopy. Okay. I'm so sorry. I should have I should have gotten started earlier too. <laughs> That's, okay. That's okay. It's okay. So another rumor says that it was a stagehand who accidentally hung himself on set after falling off a catwalk from above. No, surely this is documentable somewhere. <laughs> so one would assume that it's documented somewhere if it was true. <laughs> right. Luckily, it's not. But wait, is there actually a silhouette on the film? Yeah. Yes, and I'm going to explain what it is. Oh, good. Um. So. All of this is a bunch of bullshit. The prop trees were way too <laughs> fragile to bear the weight of a person anyway, <laughs> regardless so of size. Um, so what was the shadow? Amanda, it's a fucking bird. <laughs> 
if you watch the film, you'll notice that there's a lot of large birds, cranes, peacocks, etc., roaming around this, the scene prior to and during this. Oh my god! So the LA Zoo actually provided birds for the film, and they were notoriously hard to wrangle. I mean, they're fucking zoo birds. They're pampered and and like don't have any sense of boundaries. So the birds kept showing up in random places in scenes where they were oh, not supposed to be in. God. So it wasn't surprising in the slightest to see this random crane in the background. <laughs> <laughs> also do you remember how okay so julia is in my theater program mm-hmm. in high school it was very intense you had to audition in middle school to get into the high school theater program yeah so you were oh. a 13 year old auditioning for this right. very intense program uh, yeah or pressure. 12 sometimes yeah yeah and it was very a lot of pressure seriously there was like a three-part audition process uh only like 25 to 30 kids were accepted every year mm-hmm. from our middle school of like a thousand kids two middle schools there was only one adult in the whole program so there was like <laughs> one there was one director who taught theater classes and occasionally other electives that the administration made him teach um during the school year and we had like a period of drama during the day uh and then he just directed the show he told us what to do he's like here amanda do lighting for the show and i was like cool i'll figure it out and said to julia's fiance jake and other you know guys on the on the tech crew mostly um like hey here's the set i want make it and then at one point before the show actually opened like four or five days before the show opened some other adult i forget his name would just come into the it was rory Rory. Rory, God. Rory. Rory would come jump on the platforms that like <laughs> to if we, make sure they were sturdy enough. Oh. if we had like like a two-story set which most of the time they were he would just come up jump on the platform and be like seems fine and then leave <laughs> okay and that go. was that was all of the health and safety that we were yeah. that we were given during our drama career so I'm like a safety. bunch of bunch of 15 16 17 year old people were just like I bet this paint doesn't have lead it's fine I bet this flat is gonna hold us up i guess it's okay and, and this uh, was only you know, 11 years ago huh yeah <laughs> it kind of feels like and this i was have like i don't know how good. circuitry or voltage works but hopefully <laughs> i won't blow the school's breakers if i plug in all these lights which i did many times yep. feels oh. like the 80s wasn't the 80s feels yeah like it the felt 80s very much like the 80s there actually was very was very close ago oh god we're easily able to debunk the case of the hanging munchkin mm-hmm. but there are some ones that aren't as easily debunked oh either. shit you bait and switched me with an easy one i did <laughs> so we're going to the curse of the omen Ooh, movies that have some creepy stuff happening both on film and off amanda have you seen the omen <sighs> okay oh boy here we go this is what <laughs> i was hoping for let's do it okay so i'm gonna tell you some facts about horror movies that i know and you're going to tell me if any of them are in the same movie. Nope. Okay. <laughs> so there's there's one with with a TV, and they're static, and it's scary. That's uh-huh. the ring. Okay. No. There's No, not necessarily. That could also be Poltergeist. It could, but I don't think it is. I'm sorry. No, I, I, okay. I don't think so. Probably the ring. We're also going to talk wrong. about that later. It's fine. It's fine. There's Nightmare on Elm Street, which we just watched. Yes. I know that one. There's one a with a, a melty mask. Melty mask. The scream? Scream? Okay. Yes, scream. that one. Oh, scream. Cool. Just the scream. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's one with... Is it Jodie Foster and a phone? She's a babysitter? Like sexy babysitter and the guy's outside? Okay. Is no. that also Scream? No, that's know. also Whatever. Scream. Okay. And it's Drew Barrymore. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Doing good, doing good. And then there's um, there's little blonde child who has a demon in him. That's the omen, Amanda. Good job. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud. Thank you. So good. Thank we you. believed in you. Thank okay. you. So... <laughs> 
I bet my good feeling isn't going to last. <laughs> so The Omen, which originally came out in 1976, was about what? the Antichrist being born and given to a wealthy American political family. Oh, shit. That was living in England for some reason. I don't remember the point. I think he was a diplomat of some sort. Also, I love that it's like, hey, privilege? Fuck you. Like, that's a pretty good. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. good. Um, so already up to a great start with uh, something super creepy and cool. Uh, but when you apparently start getting creepy curses involved, then things kind of get really interesting. All right. The first things first, uh, on the flight back and forth from England, star Gregory Peck and producer Mace Newfeld, which fucking good name, yeah. uh, <laughs> on separate flights, both had their planes struck by lightning. <gasps> uh, producer Harvey Bernhard's uh, flight also had a near miss with lightning. Oh, shit. Uh, another good airplane fact. The airplane that was chartered by the studio for aerial shots, but was switched at the last minute. The new plane was completely successful for the filming, while the original plane that they had booked crashed immediately after takeoff, killing everyone on board. Whoa. Yeah. That's a lot of aviation mishaps. That's a lot of avian mishaps. Yep. I'm with you on that. I know that, like, you know, plane safety's gotten better each year. And so the 80s, you know, was different, I guess. But, like, that's a lot of things. smoking the planes back then. Yeah. The seven. Fuck. That feels so long ago. Was that child? Is that child now a famous actor also? No. I have no fucking clue. I don't think so. <laughs> no, James? he's not. No, no, okay. no, he's not. He's not. No. All right. But uh, Sam Neill went on to no, play one of the sequels. Nothing happen to the baby. Kid. So the hotel that the producers and actors were staying at during uh, filming was bombed by the IRA while they were filming. Fuck. No one died, <laughs> thankfully, but that's the thing that happened. Also, I'm so sorry on behalf of Ireland. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That was that. a lot. That was a lot of bad stuff. <laughs> A lot of bad stuff. The animal handler for the film was attacked and eaten by lions. What? <laughs> what were those circumstances? Yeah. <laughs> I'm yelling off mic because I'm yelling. <laughs> Julia, why? <laughs> um, I think it took place after the film. After, yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Um, after doing The Omen, the next movie that stuntman Alf Joint, which again, great name. One more time. Um, Alf Joint. Alf Joint. What? Alf Joint. Wow. That's what fair. other career could you have with that name? <laughs> Nothing. You can't Weed do anything. dealer. Um, which, or that. Which, like, I think he might have retired because the next film that he did, um, an unknown assailant pushed him off a building uh, while he was trying to get ready and he broke just all the bones and almost died. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's, this is what this entire episode is me stating facts and then Amanda going, What? What? <laughs> I love it. Also, Alf Joint should have retired and become a DJ. Yeah, I hope he did. <laughs> um, lastly, there's the incident of John Richardson. Oh, no. So Richardson was a phenomenal special effects artist. Uh, he was responsible for uh, all the cool deaths that happened in The Omen, but specifically the decapitation of David Warner's character. Have you seen. You've seen this film? No. Yes? I remember okay. the kid standing on a balcony looking creepy. That's about it. Okay. Um, the, is it a piece of glass it's that a plate glass, decapitates yeah. him? Yeah. So a plate glass like falls from a construction site above him while he's trying to warn someone that this child is the Antichrist and Yikes. just decapitates him. Yoinks. It, and it's like, re- for 1976, Amanda, real good special effects. Ooh, no, how'd he do it? Um, yes. I don't remember. I'll have uh, I'll have someone look it up later. <laughs> It'll be Jake, probably. <laughs> we'll have our researcher do it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like one of the most iconic uh, like horror movie deaths. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Yeah, like ever. Yeah. yeah. John Richardson was not 
able to escape the curse of the film. Oh, no. Um, two months after the movie's premiere, Richardson was in a major car accident with his girlfriend at the time, Liz Moore. Um, as a result of the accident, Moore was killed via decapitation right in front of Richardson's <gasps> eyes uh, in almost the same exact way that Richardson created in the film. Yeah. Oh, Lord. That's crazy. What are the odds? Yeah, it was. it's real bad. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, that, those are bad uh, omens. Yeah, that is a bad, thank you, James. <laughs> Thanks. That's a real good bad omen. We needed a dad joke in there, right? You guys yeah, asked me you got to thank do you. the dad jokes, right? Yes, okay, that's what you're here sure. for. Amanda's here with the, the queer dad jokes, and you're here with the regular dad jokes. Aw, <laughs> cute. Aww. Adorable. Aww. <laughs> We're next going to move on to another good horror movie that James already mentioned, uh, The Curse of Poltergeist. What is Poltergeist besides Peeves, the best character in Harry Potter? Who they oh, cut completely really movie. out of the movies, and it's just all fucked up. Seriously? A fucking tragedy. Yes, a tragedy. <laughs> I agree. Our national tragedy. Forget this the presidency. It's Peeves. It's Peeves not missing in the film. from a bunch of British movies. Well, when That's they the remake, American national tragedy. When they make them Harry Potter mini miniseries, I'm sure they'll get someone to play Peeves. Oh my god, I, I, Julia, I need like a, I need truly a seven series miniseries. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I'm not. You're not wrong. I'm staring at you like you can make this happen right now. Like, fuck it. (laughs) Manipulate reality and make it happen right now. Make it happen. Yeah. I feel like I'm missing Um, so much over here. I feel like I should be there to to witness all of this. I mean, we wish, James, come to New York again, please. I will. No, I will, actually. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll go better. out. We'll, we'll go party. <laughs> I, didn't mean, I didn't mean for that to sound threatening. I was like, you better. <laughs> you better. <laughs> Fuck. Remember that plate Okay, class? I'm. You better. <laughs> I'm getting my Shit. tickets. Right. You book that flight right now? <laughs> All right. So, Poltergeist. Amanda, you know anything about Poltergeist? Nothing. All right. Uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, actually. Oh, really? Uh, one of the first movies of that. Jaws I... fame? Yeah. Did he do Joss? Did Steven Spielberg do Joss? Yeah, okay. Yes, well, he I, did. All right. He did. So I, okay, so I think that this movie actually was directed by Tobe Hopper. Uh, no, uh, wasn't Toby it? Uh, oh, sorry. Written and produced by Steven Spielberg. There you go. Thank you. Sorry. Much pre- sorry. No, please. Please correct me on this. I got it. I've been here to nerd out for you. you know? No, you're right. You're right. I'm, I'm here to help out. People on Twitter good. will explain it to us. <laughs> we don't want And not, that. not to mention, I also screwed up the man's name, so it's, it's okay. okay. I trust you. I'll get killed on that. It's totally fine. Um, so this this next one, um, I asked Jake specifically what Hollywood urban legends he would want to hear about it, and his immediate response was, talk about Poltergeist. I'm like, mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you, baby. I love you. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about Poltergeist because I love my fiance very much. Um, well, it's a big so, one, too. You can't ignore it. I mean, it's hard. It's hard not to. Um, so for people who haven't seen the movie, Amanda included, uh, it is me. the story of the Freeling family, which is mom, dad, three kids. Uh, who moved to a idyllic suburban community only for it to be disturbed first by playful ghosts and then eventually become a literal hellscape. Okay, so playful ghost, I can get behind. Yeah. Playful ghost, bring it. Mm-hmm. We will, like, make life fun. Mm-hmm. Play some pranks. Mm-hmm. We'll, mm-hmm. like, levitate some stuff. Yep. yep, yep, yep. I'll be like, hey, you can, like, upturn my jar of dried beans hilariously if you also bring me my <laughs> AC remote. So Amanda's Amanda's very into the first forty minutes of Poltergeist. Yes, no, that is like <laughs> the first the forty of minutes it. of Poltergeist. And then the rest of it, she's like, "Nah." All right. So what happens next? Um, so it wasn't just a hellscape crafted by Steven Spielberg. It lasted well after filming was done. Oh no! The first person to fall victim to the Poltergeist curse was Dominique Dunn, who played the oldest Freeling daughter. Uh, Dana, I think, was the character's name, James? Yep. 
Yeah. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. So her career <laughs> was just starting to pick up when she was strangled to death by her abusive boyfriend. Uh, yeah. yeah, the boyfriend was I convicted know. of voluntary manslaughter, which it also, what the fuck, it's not manslaughter if you right. choke someone to death. Maybe because uh, they were trying to shove it under some sort of passion of, uh, of crime of passion sort no, of thing, and they were like, it wasn't up. premeditated. But still no, 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 it was a murder. Bullshit. It was murder. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, it was the 80s, you know? Yeah. And, you know... Yeah. Sometimes things were different. You know, this, these things happened know. in the eighties, you know. Yeah. You know they didn't <laughs> you know. know any better back then. <laughs> yeah, sure. But you know what? There, <laughs> we we know better now. And if no, you we do. are in a situation where you think you need help, or you want to talk, or some signs are kind of odd, or you need your resources kind of laid out to you by somebody who can help, Amanda's go got to another phone number. Go to rain dot org. R a i n n dot org. They can help. I appreciate that. Thank you, Amanda. Absolutely. Um, also, this jackass was paroled after less than four years served. Uh, so fuck him. Fuck him. Uh, fuck you all. Fuck yeah. him. Uh, but that that wasn't the only death to come out of the poltergeist. Uh, the youngest daughter, uh, who was taken by the Beast, which is the name of the poltergeist in this, uh, in the first film was played by Heather O'Rourke. Uh, and she was discovered by Steven Spielberg himself. Uh, she also starred in all three of the poltergeist films, but she died before the third premiered. No. She was apparently a like really healthy kid who came down with a case of the flu, which led to a heart attack at the age of 12. What? Yeah. That sounds like a may cause thing <laughs> in pharmaceutical commercials yeah. where like it happened to one person. So they have to yeah. say it. Heather which, I mean, O'Rourke good, was that person, but I like, guess. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I actually oh. don't think she finished the whole third film. They had to like use like a, the, the back of some stunt double little girl thing. That's to, probably uh, probably right. Several other older cast members died before the their films premiered, uh, including Julian Beck and Will Sampson, who were both the antagonist and the protagonist for the second film, I believe. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So that's the that's the Poltergeist curse. Uh, James, do you have anything to add for that one? Yeah, that one was pretty bad. I remember as a kid, like Heather O'Rourke and I were around the same age. So when she died, I was like, what? Like I it just seemed say like went so... to school together, and I was like, "James, no, I know you buried no, the no. lead." Ah, no, no, no. But I remember that was it was such a monumentous moment, though, as like a little kid, and like seeing someone else that you've seen in two other movies, and she's she's a little girl like you are, like you're a little boy, and therefore she just dies uh, up and dies for like almost no reason, completely mysterious at the time, like when Oof. it was reported. But uh, it was kind of spooky. Like you're like, whoa, no, 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 that's not supposed to happen yet, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah so I yeah, know. that was that that left an impression as a kid. So yeah, I remember that. I mean, the the whole poltergeist thing, especially her sister too. The girl played her sister in the movie, uh, uh, ha- having been murdered. That was also, you know, it was just it was really just a a, a weird thing. Yeah. Just Yikes. yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> On that note, uh, Amanda, I think I need a refill. Yes, I'm gonna need one too. We are sponsored this week by Audible. They've sponsored us before. We like them a lot. We love stories. We love audio. And so this is an awesome pairing for us. They are the Venn diagram of things that we like. And if you already are like, yo, Audible, like I know that I should listen to books. I know that I want to do this. I know that I want like long form audio in my ears or my car or my, you know, smart home devices all the time. You can go right ahead to audible.com slash spirits. 
or text the word spirits to 500 500 to get that url and sign up for a free trial and audiobook yeah amanda do you have a good suggestion for an audiobook that our listeners can listen to i actually do i am uh traveling soon actually the day this episode comes out i'm going on vacation very excited about it i'm super jealous go ahead something that i love to do when i'm on vacation is read murder mysteries and often vacation will involve like trying to nap on a plane, but you can't really get to sleep, but it's not, it's like dark outside, so you can't really read, blah, blah, blah. And I like to listen to scary murder stories to get me to sleep. Do you? One of the things that Julia and I have in common is a love of the, you know, macabre. And I really love murder novels. My favorite author, I think, writing today is Tana French, who writes this Dublin Murder Squad series. I love them. I know you do. I probably mentioned them in passing before, but this is the first time that I've listened to an audiobook of one of her uh, novels. And the one I want to recommend is called The Secret Place. If you read The Secret History by Donna Tartt, you are going to love this book. This one's The Secret Place, not The Secret History. Both are really good. But in The Secret Place by Tana French, um, a police officer goes undercover into a group of like really rich, spoiled, shady college students cool and they're in a like decaying house on the moors and there is nothing more like luxurious and both despicable but also lovely uh the writing is really good it's not super long so you can kind of get through it you know on the beach on a train on a plane and it is really really dope that's awesome that sounds really really cool she's written i think six books i read all of them twice because i'm so sad that there are not more of them dang um, I have a recommendation. Ooh, tell me about it. Um, so this book actually just came out. It came out the day that we are recording it. Whoa. And of course, the first thing I did was go to Audible and get my audiobook for it. Ooh. But it is called Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. Sign me up. And it is reading it, Amanda. I'm only 12 chapters in at this point. But reading it, Amanda, it reminds me of reading Harry Potter for the first time. <gasps> Wow. High praise. It takes place in sort of a fantasy West Africa. uh, And it is a world where magic once existed. But for some reasons, the gods deigned to take magic away. But something is happening where magic is slowly returning to people. And it's very, very cool. I love that idea so much. We talk all the time about how much we love like nuanced depictions of Mm -hmm. magic. That sounds right up my alley. I think I am going to go to audible.com slash spirits, sign up for a free trial, get a free audiobook, and download that one. Yeah, if if you liked our Rain Queens episode, this is very in the same vein and it's very, very cool. And Audible has a great listen guarantee. So if you choose that book or a different book and you don't like it, you can swap it out for something else. So it's not like you commit, you know, and that's the last you're ever going to see of, you know, the money that you spent. So they are really, really great for that. You can access your books anywhere. You own them. So even after you you, you know, perhaps suspend or pause your service, you're still able to access all of your books, you own them, which I think is really, really great. So thank you, Audible, for sponsoring this episode of Spirits. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And I think it's time to get back to the crazy drunk stories. Back to the show. Yeah. So, James, I, I understand that you brought a story with you for this one. I did. I did. Um, because this is one of the worst ones that I know of. All right. Sweet. Uh, as far as like one of those. Yeah. One of those creepy haunted movie uh, productions. And uh, it's also happens to be one of the uh, the fewer known films uh, that have been made. Period. It's claim to fame is that it's uh, it was, I do believe, the first movie to be shot in Esperanto. Uh, do you guys know what Esperanto is? Yeah. Yeah. Say t- tell tell it for our listeners though, because just because Amanda <laughs> okay. and I are aware. No, that's okay. You guys know. Um, no, yeah, Esperanto was was basically a I do believe a language that was sort of created and and um, in I think eighteen eighty seven or something like that, and it was intended to be like this blend of different languages, and it was meant to be a universal language, one that which could you know unify them all or or whatever, and um, and just never really took off. Yeah, um, yeah, there are some there are some fix written in Esperanto on really? Archive of Our Own. Really? Yes, really. Uh, what because, pairings? Tell me. <laughs> uh, I will bring them up right now as James talks. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No problem. Um. So yeah, this movie was one of the first movies, uh, or the only movie really to at that time, uh, to be made in Esperanto. Um, the reason being wasn't exactly a hundred percent clear. So, you know, depending on who you talk to, uh, from the crew, some of it uh, was either uh, it was meant to be as a gimmick or to ensure its niche among people that were supposedly speaking it. Um, uh, And the other uh, one that I tend to believe is the one where it's like, because it has this sort of um, kind of like a, a a spooky quality to it. because you can't quite place the language. Mm -hmm. Um, They had liked the idea of shooting the movie in this way. And they also wanted to appeal at the time to an art house crowd, um, which, you know, they weren't a big budgeted film, so they were going to shoot for that. Now, art house films at the time in 1966, when this movie was set to be released, um, weren't that huge of a thing, but at least they, they existed and they you could get sometimes, you know, your, your movie in there. It just had to be a certain type of movie mm-hmm. or you were relegated to a drive-in uh, uh, sort of thing, a grindhouse. And usually and then you'd have to get like recut with like nudity and things like that. To, in of order course, to really obviously. Succeed. Right. As an update. So. Um, yes. On Archive of Our Own, which is the best fan fiction website, uh, there take. are the following fics available um, in Esperanto. Uh, one for Sherlock. There's one for Power Rangers Time Force. Uh, <laughs> for Teen Wolf. For Fire mm. Emblem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what that is. What's the, what's the pairing for Fire Emblem? For Fire Emblem, it is George slash my unit. I mm. have no fucking clue. And Chris. Okay. Uh, interesting. Ooh, they There's must Starman the TV, Supernatural, Devilman, uh, Carmen Ryder, and that's about it. All right. So wow. fandom rich tapestry. I'm, I like There's the Time lot, Force though. Power Rangers one. That's pretty I'm, impressive. I'm digging the There's Teen two. Wolf. Teen Wolf is. Oh wait, is this got to yeah. be the TV Teen Wolf then? Actually, yeah, not the not yeah, the no, good no, no. not the good one. Oh, oh, I was thinking like you know like good old fashioned Michael J. Fox Teen Wolf in Esperanto. No. Uh, fanfic. <laughs> Shit, that would anyway, be ridiculous, though. Back to the movie. Sorry. Oh, back to the movie, yes. All right, so the movie was released in 1966, uh, directed by Leslie Stevens, who was mostly known as a writer. Uh, he did a lot of writing for um, uh, Outer Limits and mm-hmm. um, had also done, later on, uh, Buck Rogers. Um, now, the movie is about uh, 
or at least starts with a pair of sisters that are succubus. They're succubi. Awesome. Right? Sold on it already. And I'm sure you guys... <laughs> right, right? Exactly. Um, shot in black and white. Um, so basically, their whole deal is that they lure bad men um, from the town that they're in uh, out to the sea where they drown them. Hey, and... this movie is great already. Right? I see. There's also another... There's levels to this as to why I'm, I brought this. Uh, <laughs> totally felt it would be <laughs> I appreciate alley, it. guys. Um so look, the younger sister, though, uh, begins to desire, uh, have bigger, loftier desires in, in maybe not seducing uh, the, 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 the evil men because they're kind of easy game. Uh, she starts getting the idea that she wants to try to uh, lure uh, good men. Um, so she sets out to do so, and she finds this virtuous, uh, uh, God-fearing man in William Shatner. Uh, of course. Who is the lone... I mean, who else? <laughs> who fucking else? All right. I buried that on purpose because I, I knew you guys would dig that. William Shatner is our virtuous hero and completely sounds... Oh, my God. A... Said no one ever. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, just look at him for five seconds and, and you know he's got bad things on his brain. Um, mm-hmm. So it, she sets out to, to, to lure this man um, only to fall in love with him instead. Mistake number two after luring right? him. This exactly. sounds like, what is that, um, the mermaid movie with the light cannibalism, Amanda? Oh, the lure? Yes, yes. That's that what one. it sounds yes. like. Good one. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't actually watched that Never one fall in love with the sea god is rule number one. Never fall in love with the Shatner is rule number two. <laughs> exactly. I would I would kind of think it was uh, like a, uh, 1A and, and 1B, right? Yes, yes, like it's uh, yes, yes, those two the rules. same rule just broken down. Oh, James, yeah. you, you uh, combined my two favorite things, which are <laughs> rules and also hierarchy. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I'm here, I'm here to help. So she falls in love with this guy, right? And her sister gets really upset by this, you know, because in some way he's, he's you know, defiled her and, and you know, ruined her, her purpose and also offends her by taking her into a church. Yeah, yes. no, he did. He did a bad thing. So she runs away, and to get revenge on him, they both concoct this idea of, of um, summoning an incubus. Uh, which I'm. I don't actually. I, I should have looked up what an incubus is. I know you guys probably already know, and I'm assuming it's the male version of the succubus. Yeah, it's just correct? a. La- it's just a dude succubus. Yep. It's a dude succubus, right? Yeah. They for some reason didn't want to make the term dudeubus a thing, but <laughs> dudeubus. Here we are. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> exactly, dudeubus. That was that's a hard one to get your your your, your lips around though. So you know it, it's all okay. They summon this guy and they have uh, they set him upon uh, well what intended to kill William Shatner's character, but instead he finds the uh, Shatner's uh, virginous younger sister, and of course. Um, as one does, uh, he then proceeds to defile her and uh, murder. Uh, yeah, and doing good. Yeah, Loving I know. It so far, it's really. I know it's really it's got it's got everything uh, all all of the the classic uh, beats and um, so from there uh, uh, is uh, is just like this big struggle that, that they go through that ultimately uh, culminates in the younger sister uh, deciding that she will go with this this man that she has fallen in love with and that loves her but not before she has to make the sign of the cross turning the incubus into a black goat who then attacks her um, ah, but you know it all works coming. out in the end anyway so. I know, James, right? I was Jesus, I, Catholicism I had... and also goats. I love it. <laughs> I know. It, yeah, it's such a it's such a neat movie, and I haven't watched it in a really long time. Um, and I remember though, if I could, before getting into like the particulars of what makes this whole thing horrible, uh, uh, is uh, the guy who played the Incubus was just really insanely captivating. Like he was just really there's something creepy and off about the dude, and and there, there's a reason for that. Um, <laughs> so 
uh, a few things that happened uh, uh, post-production on the movie. The girl who played the virginal young sister to William Shatner's character, um, she uh, committed suicide just after the filming wrapped, like mm. by a couple of weeks. Um, she had she her name was uh, Anne Atmar, and uh, she had a, a somewhat a, a mild career in girly magazines, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's really not much known about as to the why or or how she went about. Uh, uh, committing suicide that was mentioned and i figured that maybe there's you know with the stigma of that at the time you know that maybe that there was some element of of that that being the reason yeah um, blackmail but, um, or like morality laws or, or something yeah kind of, exactly. yeah because i mean there's there there was that pressure at the time um that there was that stigma about that so you know if her film career wasn't doing that great and she was having to rely on that maybe maybe that was the reason but that's all speculation on my part so there's also the older uh woman uh the older succubus uh sister um her daughter was like uh back in 1968 was kidnapped from their driveway outside their Holy home shit. no we, yes yeah just right outside their house do, their 17 year old da- daughter was kidnapped Fuck. and her body was found in the hollywood hills like two weeks later Ooh. uh never solved never Oof-a-doofa. solved Oof-a-doofa. Wow. that's not good the next movie that we're going to talk about is uh was written and directed by leonard nimoy Oh, the better half of uh, Star Trek <laughs> those two yeah, the original yeah, yeah. series, yeah. So I should preface: I've never seen Three Men and a Baby before. It is oh, not no. a movie that I've seen, but it has a <laughs> spooky thing in it. So. Is that not the subtitle of The Hangover? <laughs> nope. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I find it. It's probably inspiration for it. I think is really it. probably. All um, right, let's so gear up, y'all. It's the story of three bachelors having to take care of a surprise infant together. Are you and sure it's not a non-traditional family of three poly gay dudes? I am I am 100% sure. Ugh. I'm thinking that comes up, though, in the film. A few times. I, I, I don't know. I've never seen it. Um, it was actually uh, the highest grossing film of 1987. Oh, wow. Sounds like a dark year. <laughs> <laughs> So despite the fact that it is uh, a more lighthearted uh, movie than most of the ones that we've covered so far, uh, with the exception of Wizard of Oz, I guess, mm-hmm. um, it was it has a rumored scene that is the talk of many. Uh, mm-hmm. The scene in question is a long take, no cuts, uh, that features Celeste Holm, uh, who plays one of the characters' mothers, carrying the titular baby throughout the apartment in which all the men are staying in. So in the background, uh, at first in the scene, you see... What looks like a rifle. Okay. And then the grim visage of an angry boy hiding behind the curtains and peering out at them. Fucking Polonius behind the Aris style? <laughs> Fuck so, you. So the legend behind it is that the apartment the movie was filmed in was the scene of a grisly suicide by rifle. Oh, and that the boy who no. killed himself haunted the set and made an appearance. No. So interestingly, no. the story was stoked no, by no, the no. emergence <laughs> of the VHS. You good? Yeah. It was stoked no, by the emergence no. of the VHS. Uh, for the first time, folks could like buy a VHS, go back, rewind, and pause in order wow. to prove their point right. and obsess over details. And oh, therefore, the TV recap culture of the internet began. Exactly. Yes. Um, but much like The Wizard of Oz, this urban legend doesn't hold much water. The apartment that they nope. shot the film in wasn't even an actual apartment. It was in a <laughs> soundstage in Toronto. Okay, that's like basic, y'all. Yeah. Um, but so what was the creepy silhouette that you can clearly see yeah. in the background? I'm not going to um, answer because I know. Was it, was it like a producer's kid? No. Obviously, it was a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson. <laughs> yep. So the character Ted Danson plays in the film is an actor. 
actor. And originally there was going to be a scene featuring a cut or uh, a cutout advertisement of him advertising dog food. Oh my God. Uh, but the scene was eventually cut out of the film, leaving the inexplicable cardboard cutout in the background. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that is sense. so like much that. better than the myth. It's so good. That's so good. <laughs> it's just like Ted Danson in like a top hat and tails. And it Jesus. looks like an angry boy in the background because it's a VHS and it's blurry. Well, it's out of focus. It. Yeah, it's out of focus. It's completely yeah. out of focus. You can't really see what it is. So even if you paused it, it good luck. But yeah. uh, I, like, I, lo- imagine, I love the fact, like, the imagination on that. Imagine like grainy 80s VHS films too. Like, of course it's going to look like a creepy boy. It's Ted yeah. dancing in a tub head and tails. Yeah. Also like the worst nightmare of like an assistant director or lighting designer on that set probably. <laughs> yep. 100 fucking percent. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, We're going to move on to one that isn't really film related, but it's still Hollywood related. All right. And that is the story of James Dean's cursed car all right so james dean flamed bright died young Mm -hmm. wore a leather jacket Mm -hmm. is a lesbian fashion icon Mm -hmm. and was in a very bad movie by young people rebel without a cause that one Mm -hmm. yep good good job that's all i got good job that was great listen he's a lesbian fashion icon i i know my lesbian fashion icons uh so (laughs) as you mentioned james dean is william shatner also a lesbian fashion icon (laughs) (laughs) really not spock no his his original series outfits pretty good. Mm, yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah. So as you mentioned, Amanda James Dean is the epitome of dying too young when you think of classic Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, he died in 1955 in the Porsche 55 Spider that became infamous as the car that killed him. But the question is, was the car cursed? I don't know. Was it? We're gonna find out. Probably not. Uh, so James Dean upgraded to the fifty-five Spider while he was filming Rebel Without a Cause, and had it customized with tartan seats, two red stripes no, over the rear wheels, no. and the plastered number one thirty on the doors, hood, and engine no. cover. Uh, it was nicknamed "Little Bastard" nope. by Dean's language <laughs> coach, and no. it was a sweet fucking car, no. man. It looked real good. No, um, but apparently the sweet ride. <laughs> was absolutely sinister it's like when you look at pictures of your parents in the late 70s wearing extreme bell bottoms and you're like no <laughs> like how no. how did That's they a no 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 <laughs> the 50s were a weird time or you, anyway. or you see that picture of them being cool like in a way in which you've never seen i right, don't, right. I don't like own any of those photos of my parents uh julia yeah. Your dad has so many photos of him being cool in the 80s. He has so many, like, mustaches, though. Yeah. No. That's what I'm saying. Not it's cool. the best. Nah. Arguably I guess it not. depends on perspective, really. Yeah, you're right. The best for comical purposes. I love you, Phil. <laughs> okay. So James Dean once met the actor Alec Guinness. You know who Alec Guinness is, mm-hmm. Amanda? Who? Irish guy. Okay. You, That's no, all I got. You know. what, was, what was his most popular role? Don't know. Uh, you might know him as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, that's... Wait, was he Irish? Yeah, I guess, maybe. I don't know. He's like a He was like a prompt <laughs> British man, I think, oh, okay. if I believe correctly, um, who basically, if you read his letters while he's writing Star Wars, he just hated every bit yeah. of it. It's yeah. just him complaining no, he about the rest of the cast. Very relatable. Mm-hmm. It's just hardcore relatable. Love it. Um, so... Uh, James Dean met Alec Guinness outside of a restaurant, and uh, James Dean was like, check out my cool car, Alec Guinness, <laughs> which Alec Guinness was probably <laughs> not super into. So Guinness takes one look at the spider and told James Dean that the car had a quote-unquote sinister appearance. And by whose account was this story relayed? Alec Guinness. 
Oh, right. So uh, he has the, the like, Yoda, you know-esque pow- powers of sure. foretelling yes. in the story. Well, no. He then goes, he says these words that would come to haunt the car. He goes, if you get in that car, you will be found dead in it by this time next week. I super don't believe it because Alan Guinness is mythologizing himself. Hey, man, guess what happened seven days later? That he died. Dean was killed in Little Bastard in a tragic car accident. <sighs> Uh, it is some straight up ring shit that Alec Guinness wished upon him. <laughs> but I, but I bet that Alec Guinness was just like, I hate myself and my career, so let me just invent a mythology about Probably. foretelling James Dean's death. I'm not gonna say you're wrong. He was always cranky. That guy. He was always cranky. He seems very cranky done. in the movie. He's like, Ugh. that's his role. <laughs> yes, basically. He's like, Ugh. Uh, uh, the Force. <laughs> uh, the Force. <laughs> you wouldn't understand the Force. <laughs> Clear your mind, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Yeah, he's like he's like the third brother of Edward the whatever and George the whatever the the the, the dad uncle of Elizabeth. I've been watching The Crown a lot. Oh, and he's like the third brother who's like ugh whatever. Okay. Anyway, yep. So James Dean wasn't the only victim of Little Bastard. Though. No. George Barris, who originally customized the car, like put those sweet uh, tartan seats in there and shit like that. <laughs> um, after after the car was wrecked, he bought the wrecked carcass of Little Bastard. Like not even Minerva McGonagall would have tartan seats in her vehicle. Oh, She'd no, be she like, would. no, I'm a classy broad. Goodbye. She she <laughs> had a carpet bag in the books as her travel. She'd have a bag. tartan carpet bag yeah. stored discreetly in the back seat. Okay. Anyway, uh, so while trying to repair it, the car actually slipped off its trailer and broke a mechanic's leg. No! Uh, Barris did the right thing, for him at least, and sold the engine and drivetrain to two racers, Troy McHenry and William Eskrid. McHenry lost control of his car after the engine was installed and hit a tree, which killed him instantly. Ah, Eskrid was severely... Uh, Eskrid was seriously injured when his car suddenly locked up and rolled while trying to go into a turn. Fuck. Um, Barris sold the tires, too. No. Uh, which blew out <laughs> simultaneously, causing the new ca- uh, the new owner's car to run off the road. I think the tires are the first thing you just burn. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Two thieves broke into Barris's garage to steal parts, and one of them tore his arms open trying to steal the steering wheel, while the other Ooh. injured himself what? trying to remove the blood-stained tartan seats. How does that oh. even happen? <laughs> eBay wasn't even invented. <laughs> Barris needed to get rid of the car, obviously, obviously. <laughs> uh, and managed to convince the California Highway Patrol that they should take it for a highway safety exhibit. The I first mean, exhibit okay. failed because the garage holding the car caught fire and burned to the ground, <laughs> though the car <laughs> suffered virtually no damage. <laughs> Oh, what a little bastard. Uh, The next exhibit was at a local (laughs) high school, and it ended abruptly when the car fell from its display and broke a student's hip. Julia, do you remember when there was like a high school... I don't know, spectacle where they had like a wreck of a car. Yeah, it's don't drink and drive during and prom. Like, don't drink and drive during prom. Yep. Yeah, that was just <laughs> such a, I mean, who does that every year? And she's like, fuck, it's late April. Don't drink and drive I during prom. prom. You made us watch that video. We get it. <sighs> uh, anyway, the California Highway Patrol gave up on the car um, after the truck transporting it lost control, which caused the driver to fall out of the truck and get crushed by the car after it fell off the back of the truck. No! Jesus. Did he live? No, he got no! crushed by a car. Julia! 
It's so, like Christine. Why are you telling me this? So they tried to return the car to Barris, but the car mysteriously disappeared and has not been seen since. No. No. No, 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 it's no, no. It's out no, there no, no. haunting the streets no. of California somewhere. No. It what went if, off on its own. What if the like 400 constituent parts that make up that car are just spread out in like the most horrific accidents from the last four decades? Apparently Whoa. there's there's like one piece in a museum in Chicago, I think. Don't want to go there. Not okay. going to go in that museum. Okay. No. Cursed. <laughs> Goodbye. All right. You Listen. sure you don't want to do like another podcast about it maybe? Like a travel? I don't believe. That could be our second spaghetti the... get in. I don't want more spaghetti get in. <laughs> I know I don't. No. <laughs> I don't believe you. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't believe in ghosts, but I also don't tempt fate, and I'm not going to go see it. <laughs> fair enough. That's it. Goodbye. That's fair. That's um, fair. I think it's fair. <laughs> so, we're going to end on one final story. Amanda, have, have you ever heard the name Peg Ettenwhistle? I sure haven't, and also, do you really need to tell me this story? Yes. Are you really sure? Yes. Can you reflect on our 21 years of friendship and just confirm in your body, mind, and soul that you need to tell me the story? I really do. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not surprised that you heard, haven't heard of poor Peg um, because she was an only moderate successful uh, actress in life. Okay. But she did manage to gain a little bit more fame in death. Okay. Because also she goals. is known as the ghost of the Hollywood sign. Ooh. Uh, on oh, the night of okay, September yeah. 18th, 1932, she leapt to her death from the 50-foot-high letter H. Oh. Yeah. I'll probably choose the letter O because it's symmetrical. <laughs> Fair enough. Was she a, a silent film actress? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. She didn't She didn't do case. a lot of stuff. Well, because I think when everything went to talkies, a lot of, a lot of silent film stars didn't make it over to talkies. Uh, yeah, so Peg was actually the inspiration for uh, Catherine Hepburn to get into acting. Oh wow! Oh. Yeah, so she like she had some like influence, but you know she's right. more famous now in death. Um, so there's a couple of different stories uh, about seeing Peg's ghost. Uh, over the years, many park rangers have reported seeing a pretty blonde woman dressed in 1930s clothing wandering the park paths, looking sad and vanishing when approached. Which like Yikes. same, same, same. <laughs> I, too, disappear when looked at directly. Yeah. So, true. One park ranger named John Abergast, which is a great name. That is good. Um, claims to have seen Peg's ghost on several occasions. Uh, he says that she tends to appear when conditions are foggy, and she is always accompanied by the strong scent of gardenias. <gasps> which wow. I feel is very Hollywood. I'm all about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, that's all I've got for Hollywood stories i'm sure i forgot Ooh. a lot of stuff that people would love to hear about and you should send those to us via email so that maybe we can talk about them in a listener roundup episode spears podcast at gmail my takeaway is no one should make movies ever <laughs> okay <laughs> interesting choice that seems like Aww. the safest choice all right that's that's no. an interesting one for sure james how do you feel yeah no i i, I thought it was a blast i don't even i don't think you've missed any big ones not that i can think of at least ones that are meaningful i mean maybe somebody's got some out there that are like oh i know this one thing with like you know from like the justin bieber movie that you know that's our favorite kind. yeah so you know I, I, I think you got I think you got all the all the major ones, at least the ones that, that are that are meaningful. I, I did forget to mention the fact that uh, the movie The Exorcism features an actual serial killer. As an exorcist. Uh, exorcist, sorry. The exorcist. Yes, yes. Ah. Someone movie, in that movie yes. ended up being an actual serial killer. Yes. Right. Whoa. Yes. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. He, he's like an extra in when they're doing like a brain scan of the girl or something or like a yeah he's scan like or x-ray or mri technician yeah yeah and he was a serial killer yeah he was like called like the prep killer or something like that i wonder Whoa. sometimes how many people in my life have like gotten sandwiches from or like passed on the subway <laughs> or have driven like buses that i've been on how many accidental serial killers, killers. yeah yeah I got right. that. it's yeah. an interesting or even thought. secret ones ones that ha- haven't realized their their you know their <laughs> Oh, unrealized you know? potential, potential serial killers. Yeah, gotcha. exactly. Yeah, I'm into it. Please exactly. go to therapy, everybody. Everybody, exactly. Please go to yeah, therapy. Get it out. Every, literally every person could use therapy. No one, no one can't use therapy. Uh, completely agree. Also, I'm gonna just remind our listeners that these stories have been super fun. We've had a lot of fun here today, kids. But <laughs> thanks, um, mom. <laughs> listen, if you feel bad, you don't need to. And if you want some help to talk about it, you can call 800-273-8255. That's a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And if you feel like you are in a bind and you need some help and you want to understand your resources for surviving assault, for living with an abuser, for doing whatever you have to do, and you just need someone to talk to or some stuff to Google, you can go to rainn.org rain.org they are a super super great organization and they can help you out thank you amanda you're welcome yeah thanks mom in between screaming <laughs> about james dean's car and the kid in the omen um i have some stuff to say i'm glad i'm glad that's what you're here for well listen james thank you for joining us for this oh, journey you. yes it was excellent and yeah. i was so glad to have a uh, a tag team partner when it came to research that uh. was a fun <laughs> scenario yeah uh james yeah, do you no, want to plug your stuff yeah, like stuff, ab- my dude. absolutely, absolutely. Um, so uh, the show that I've uh, written and created and uh, work on with Alex, uh, Alexander Danner from Greater Boston, uh, our show is, um, uh, what's the frequency? It's a psychedelic noir audio drama. It sounded um, like you were actually asking a question, which I super love. <laughs> You're like, my show is, what's the frequency? What's the frequency? What's the frequency? Um, Julia yeah, it. so it's, yeah, Julia's in it, actually. She's amazing. She's actually one of our main characters. Um, and But yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we, we're we going to, actually, I don't know if she's told you this, but we're going to make, uh, um, you know, like uh, Paul F. Tompkins is in every podcast, apparently. Yeah. Uh, uh, Julia and I are going to make it, um, uh, like, so they always call like, um, what is it? PFT. Oh, PFT, PFT, yep. PFT. So we're going to make a, our own thing with the audio dramas. It's going to be JJOS. Um, yep. Nice. So it's going to be JJOS all the way. I also want spirits to exist in every single audio drama fictional universe. I need it to happen. We have what, like three? We're in three now. I think we're in three. I'm gonna need everybody else to just acknowledge our existence. Yep. I actually can can I can canon wise confirm that you are. uh, You you. do exist in our universe. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's it's a wild show. I mean, the show is very sort of bit avant garde, a bit um, forward thinking with the audio aspects. Um, We just really try to do as much as we can with um, telling our, start, our our story through audio, considering that this is the format that we're choosing to tell the story in. Um, mm. So we rely yeah. heavily on, on that. So um, yeah, like don't the do Wizard of, of Oz. A lot of just, exactly. We're the Wizard of Oz of audio dramas. So we hey. just turn the, we turn the Technicolor on right in the, right at the beginning, actually. <laughs> we just, yeah, we all, oh, his little black and white Technicolor yeah. right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you listened you to it? Quote Have me. you listened to it at all yet? I I just started the first episode, actually. I know. (gasps) I didn't listen to it for a while because I was, like, nervous for Julia. And I was like, I hope it's good. But it's actually good. And so I listened to the first episode very recently. Good. Yeah. I was worried that it might be, like, a little heavy or something like that. Like, you might be like, oh, it's a little. Nah, nah. 
Okay, good. No, she hasn't gotten to the good murder parts yet. Not um, yet. Okay. But I would I would recommend it to any of our listeners. It is the definition of creepy and cool. Yes. James is creating something really bizarre and really wonderful, and it is definitely something you should get on board with immediately. Word. And I'm not just saying that because I'm in it, because it's genuinely a show that I listen to and I'm excited for episodes to come out for. I, uh, I'm super, I'm super stoked that, that I get to have you in it. And uh, I, if I had, if I had thought of it sooner, I would have probably tried to corral Amanda into it. And, and put I'm her available. In somewhere. She can do some mini eps. <laughs> oh, no, believe me. I, I've already thought about where to, where to, where to put her in. And I have, I have something coming up soon for a mini ep that I, uh, she might get a, might get a, a, a request to do some recording. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. I'm, I'm twirling my mustache right now. I don't have one, but it's just, you know. Well, thank you again for joining us. Truly, it has been a thank horrifying you. emotional roller coaster uh, of an episode, which is is the best kind. Mm-hmm. For sure. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Great. And uh, remember, everyone, to stay creepy. And if you buy a car belonging to James Dean, make sure you check the oil and the engine coolant frequently because that car is fucking cursed as fuck. So stay cool. <laughs> Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Schiaffini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Spirits Podcast. We also have all our episodes, collaborations, and guest appearances, plus merch, on our website, spiritspodcast.com. Come on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, for all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff. Throw us as little as $1 and get access to audio extras, recipe cards, director's commentaries, and patron-only live streams. And hey, if you like the show, please share us with your friends. That is the best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.